What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Undialed Podcast. Today we have a wonderful guest. Wonderful guest, present yourself. <laughs> What's going on, guys? My name is Maddie Travelo. For any of you that do not know me, um, I have been a professional screwwriter for probably about 12 years now. Um, professional meaning that I've been traveling, um, I'm a sponsored writer, I get paid. Uh, everything like that so it's pretty awesome absolutely huge involvement in the scootering industry and ever i can um and yeah i'm 25 years old i live in australia if you can't tell by the epic accent that is horrible uh and yeah apart from that yeah i'm just an action sports enthusiast i've been doing action sports my entire life so it's something that i absolutely love and something i want to be around so yeah oh yeah who are you sponsored by so I am sponsored by Root Industries is my scooter sponsor. Uh, they're absolutely awesome. And my protective gear sponsor is Game Protection and S1. I have a huge um, support system by everyone that does support me. It's awesome. And yeah, it's cool. It's cool. All right. So, um, so I'm going to speak for you for just a second. So Matty Travlo is a wonderful screwwriter and has been in this game for a very long time, but he has entered into a new endeavor recently. He has opened up his own skate park, which is very honorable and very cool. And I've never opened up my own skate park, so we're going to hear about that right now from the man. Tell us what it's like owning a skate park, <laughs> my man. What, what, what? That's that's crazy. And it's named after you, too. Like, like imagine yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could bring anybody there and be like, you look at this sign. Yeah, they just yeah. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's honestly like the the best word to use is it's very surreal. Um, especially it being named after me. I was very skeptical at first and kind of went around every route before doing so. Uh, and it somehow always just led back to that name and, and it just made sense at the time. So um, I'm happy, I definitely happy I did. It came out really well and even with the logos and everything like that, super happy with how they came out. But yeah, it's it's surreal. Honestly, it's something that I have wanted to do since I was a little kid. Uh, ever since I started getting into action sports, when I used to race motocross and ride BMX, um, I grew up uh, at a house that had a bit of property and we had a big concrete slab out the back. And something we always wanted to do was uh, make a half pipe or make a concrete bowl or something like that there. And it was something, obviously, money played a huge part in as well as time. Uh, I was traveling a lot, so we just never really got around to doing it. But it had always been that one thing that I wanted. And now to have that pretty much in my backyard is such a huge thing. But not only just have my own skate park, but a place where other people can come and enjoy and progress is probably, honestly, the, the most rewarding aspect of all of it. Absolutely. I feel like having a skate park you you almost have like a responsibility in the community it's like you were yeah. you're the gatekeeper for i feel like so many kids locals like like yeah tell, tell me what it's like on the day-to-day basis owning a skate park like what do you do uh so on a day-to-day basis it's a lot more than simply just like opening up some doors um, my role specific is very busy and jam-packed and my head's kind of all over the place all day, every day. And I guess it's a lot of the back-end operations more so than anything. So from what people see on the front end is, you know, we open up the doors and we have the people come in and ride and enjoy it, which is awesome. And as you said, it, it's definitely a huge responsibility and a role that 
Um, I'm so grateful to now play in building a community, which is one of our most uh, important goals with Forward Park is to build it. Um, I say we, even though I own it, um, I, I feel like collectively myself and all the people that have supported me have a huge involvement and a very, um, they're, they're just as built into this dream as I am, which is just unheard of. You know, it's very hard to come across people that, treat something like their own so i'm very grateful for that but uh yeah so i think from a day-to-day -day basis really what goes on for me is i deal with all the back end stuff as well as anything kind of that goes on on the front end and by the back end i mean uh, it could be from the advertising to uh communications with birthday parties that we hold or venue hires or um, any session bookings, all the websites, um, coming up with any of the design, the video, social media. Uh, I do pretty much everything you guys see on the social media. Usually either Tommy or Dylan will shoot it. And um, if it's a photo, they'll most likely edit it because I'm not the best with photos. Um, but if it comes to the videos, I'll edit the videos. Um, if you would have seen when we first initially released the park and everything, I edited all those videos and each one probably took me between 30 to 50 hours to edit to begin with. They had some crazy um, effects as, in there. Yeah, as time went on, um, I got faster at it and better at it. But I'm a very picky person and I'm very, you know, to the beat of absolutely everything and um, I can edit a whole thing and then I'll look at the end of it and I'll be like, oh, I just don't like that anymore. Scrap it, start again. So um, that's just me, which is, it's a good and bad thing. Sometimes it makes things take a lot longer than what they should. But um, yeah, so day-to-day -day basis is that uh, as well as there's a lot of wheels turning when it comes to this business specifically because um, the way that, the business model and everything is set up and structured is there's three different aspects to it. We have obviously the park, which is Volvo Park, um, which is, you know, the, the main thing. But then we have the V2 store, which is the retail store side of things. What's the um, name of it? Moment. It's called V2 store. Got you. So it's like, basically the reason that it, and this is a question I do get, the reason that these are all marketed and done separately is for, it's very specific. And it's because I wanted to be able to market the park and the store as two different things. So the store is what, obviously we, the physical store is at Volvo Park and that's what it is. But when it comes to the online is I didn't want them to wise tangle ever. So what we're doing is, is marketing is two separate things. So we have the skate park and then the store will be um, its own kind of element that own eventually I would like to get, yeah, I want to get recognized outside of the park. So I want people to come to the store that don't even know the park exists. So that's the idea of it and vice versa for the park and the store. Um, uh, also, good timing. We I've just finally found someone as a full-time worker for the cafe. So I actually got... When I built the skate park is, and the reason it's in the spot it's in was very specific. So the, the area is a very busy industrial area that has really good frontage. If you look at the front of this building, it does not look like a skate park. You would never in a million years probably guess that there's a skate park inside of it. Um, it's a very professional office-like looking building. Um, and that was for the reason that I wanted to open up the cafe um, and I have the permits and got all the permits to open that up individually outside of the skate park. So that can open and serve to all the public. So as this is a busy industrial area, like I mentioned, a lot of tradies, a lot of um, office workers and everything around this area. Mm. And 
Um, I've now just got a full-time worker to open up that cafe. So that cafe will run independently and that's called Volo Cafe. So that's another thing that's separate to, to those other two things. So it's almost like three businesses turning at once in one area. But the problem is because they're all, they are separate and they require separate attention is that's what takes up most of my time. Gotcha. So, so I, I kind of, at the moment, I'm delegating days to specific areas. So maybe one day I'll spend it on Bolo Park Focus, one day on the cafe, one day on the B2 store. Um, so yeah, as I said, there's a lot of wheels turning at once. And you can imagine when it comes to the skate park, you know, you have, uh, you know, all the social media aspects of it, all the insurance aspects, all the different things that go into it. The store, it's the communication between, you know, distributors and getting products in and managing that and looking at the, you know, every day looking at what's selling, what's not. Um, and then the cafe, that's just a different animal in itself because that you're looking at, you know, the, the food side of things, which is a lot of the food handling and safety, finding experienced workers to do it. Um, then you're looking at, you know, your stock that you got to keep restocking and different things, completely different way of marketing than scooters and, and action sports in general. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So as I said, obviously a lot of things turn at once. So it's a matter of just kind of maintaining those things. So although it might seem like, oh, you know, just come in and open up the doors and let some people inside the skate park and check them in. Um, that's like not even, that doesn't touch the surface of kind of what goes on on a daily basis. Well, thank you for clarifying. I really thought that you only <laughs> opened up the doors. I don't know if you watched Tommy Dang's podcast, but he was saying that all you ever do is just open up the doors. And he was actually, yeah, yeah. and he was he was really upset that he didn't call it the Tommy Dang skate park experience. Yeah, imagine that. That would have been the best. <laughs> I'm just messing with uh, Tommy's, Tommy's been absolutely incredible, man. Tommy's, Tommy's someone who... Um, there's only very few people that I've ever had in my life and like very few people you ever will have in your life where it's someone you can rely on and someone you're just genuinely lucky and happy to have in your corner. And Tommy's always been one of those people for me. So I'm really grateful for that. Absolutely. Tommy's the best. So I want to hear really quick, how, how did all of these big moving pieces all come together in order for you to make the skate park? Cause the skate park is relatively new. Like what, what was the perfect storm that happened? So funny enough, actually, the perfect storm for me that happened was COVID to begin with. As uh, I know that's going to be very like ironic, and to some people that'll make that's backwards and makes no sense. But uh, COVID, as like everyone being going from doing so much to doing barely anything, gave me a lot of time to think. So just for a bit of background, in 2019, I spent more time overseas in the UK than I did in Australia. I traveled there probably three or four times and it was just, uh, you know, constant go, go, go. It was almost like come home, sleep, leave again. As you know, I know with you and Clayton, you did very similar things. So, you know, going from such an extreme lifestyle to now being like confined to your house, it's backwards for people like us that are mm-hmm. constantly on the go. And it's like, although a lot of what we do also requires being behind a computer and that is the sanity exists outside of a computer. Sometimes. Oh, absolutely. So, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. It's like a bunch of ADHD adults, like um, not being able to go and do anything. So it, it, it's a pretty um, hard thing to deal with. But for me, it actually was a blessing in disguise because that time that I had to think, put things into perspective for me and where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. Um, I knew, and I've always known that scootering and action sports in general are just where my heart is and I love it. It's what I know off the back of my hand. Um, I'm, 
I'm good at what I do. Not necessarily just saying with writing, but um, the experience that I have in this area in particular is something that's kind of unmatched for me in a different area. Like I couldn't just go and work in, um, you know, in a labor job or in hospitality and be as good as I am in this, this industry. Yeah, specific. you got 12 so, years under your belt. Yeah, exactly right. So even though we don't look at it like that's work experience, um, because we just did that growing up, you know, that was natural. Um, it really is work experience. And not only that, just um, the, everything that's come with it, the way that, you know, we can talk on camera and the way that we can talk to parents and kids, it's a huge benefit that we didn't even realize existed until we get a bit older. So, but um, as I said, yeah, I, I'm 25 now. So it's, it was time for me to start kind of looking at uh, where I kind of wanted to go. But mind you, at the time, I was actually only 23. So this is like two years ago nearly now. We're going into when this all first started. Okay. So um, basically, yeah, COVID happened. And then I needed to figure out how I was going to do something where I could stay in the industry. So I was working with Root Industries full time. Um, I was working 38 hours a week for them doing their social media team management as well as some distribution communications overseas and then kind of uh also finding shop ambassadors just things like that kind of everything everything root industries i tried to have my hands in um which was awesome i'm super grateful for that position and they were incredible to give that to me and the amount of experience that came out of that is actually incredible too even the management side of things and everything so that was awesome. But I knew with that, it wasn't something that I wanted to do forever. It wasn't something where I was um, overly enthused about the thought of that being my life forever now. I loved what I was doing. Don't get me wrong. It's better than 99% of other jobs, but it just didn't tick that box for me. And like, it sounds weird to say it like that, but it just wasn't exactly what I wanted because at the end of the day, no matter which way I looked at it, it was still social media manager or whatever it was and it really wasn't doing a huge amount for me writing individually or or anything to fulfill what i wanted to do do you like so, working with your hands like being hands-on and stuff i feel like social media sometimes like it's hard for me sometimes because it's just as it isn't actually like real you know so yeah, it's like yeah it's like you kind I, of um, just get stagnant but i feel like i don't know in a yeah. skate park I remember when Clayton and I were building AZ Grind, it was like, it was a very hands-on experience. Like, Yeah, yeah, it's very much like get your fingers dirty, like get your hands dirty. Um, I I definitely agree with the social media, and I think because we've been like engulfed in it for so long now as well, mm-hmm. is it's so saturated that to like have the motivation every day to want to go on there um, is, I find, difficult. Like, not, not that... I don't love social media. I think social media is like such an incredible tool and it's so crazy to what it has become. But yeah, I definitely think it seems a bit, um, sometimes it feels like it's not real. Like anything you put out there doesn't actually exist. And it's, and it's kind of just whatever. It's just a bunch of numbers on a screen is what I always refer to it as, mm-hmm. um, which is very true. And if you don't like this was, this, it's a whole nother conversation, but um, if you don't learn how to become like an actual influencer and not just have followers, you may as well just go and pay for likes and comments and shares because it's just the same thing. It's numbers on a screen at the end of the day. Like it, it's not going to do a whole lot for you. Not in, not in our industry specifically anyway. Yeah. Um, maybe once, you know, maybe once we have some major sponsors come on board that are willing to pay for exposure like that. But at this point in time, it's not realistic. So, you know, there was a point where my social media was doing awesome and it was great. Like, don't get me wrong. It still does fine. But I, I was putting probably 10 times the amount of time, I do now into that and there was just the the return on that is nothing it doesn't exist so 
Uh, yeah, I do, but I agree. Like, I'm definitely more of a hands-on person, even if it's not necessarily actually getting out and building ramps and doing those sort of things. I just like to be have my hands in the fire everywhere I go and make sure that kind of I'm managing and controlling things. Um, so, yeah, to the to the original question, I was thinking about what I wanted to do, and then the opportunity came up where uh, Empire Skate Park actually came off for sale, which if anyone that does not know, it was a previous skate park that was based over over the um, southeastern side, I believe it is, um, suburbs of Melbourne in a place called Morty Alec or Brayside. And when I, I got it sent to me by one of my family members. And when I had first seen it, I kind of just shrugged it off and didn't even really think anything of it, to be honest. Um, and this is just as COVID was hitting. So they mm-hmm. put up as, as COVID was hitting, from my understanding. Um, and then I started to think about it a little bit more. I spoke to a couple of people and um, it kind of persuaded my perspective a little bit to think, oh, maybe it is possible. Maybe it is viable. And like, this is a way that I could stay in it. Um, still really early stages, but I spent probably the next uh, like couple of months, I would say, um, going into the financials of it, of the business, um, doing projections of the business to see where I could take it and what I could do with it to see if it was actually viable because it's one thing to say, oh, you know, it's awesome. I can own my own skate park um, and that's great. But it's another thing to say, like, can I afford to own my own skate park and can this actually survive? Because, you know, at the end of the day, like we're talking most of the time aside from school holidays is we're only really going to be busy on weekends. So you need to make sure that it's going to be viable, um, which is actually a lot where the, the store and the cafe side comes into it as well for me and why that's a huge part of this. Um, and, and if anything, it probably requires more attention than the park does itself. So, but yeah, the opportunity came up, I looked at it and then I started making some inquiries and spoke to the salesperson of the business and yeah kind of went on from there a lot got delayed a lot got um it took a very long time the negotiation of it probably went on for like uh, to be honest probably like nearly eight months or something like that it was yeah 2019 i believe it was when we started the conversation so about what it. were you negotiating um, like you've mentioned empire so, and yeah so what it came to it like just to clarify yeah what it came to it is um that I was going to buy Empire. So I wasn't just going to buy like brands from Empire. I was going to buy just the whole company, just outright the whole company. Um, at the time, it was the most beneficial thing to do for a few different reasons. Um, but uh, to simply put, um, originally is that I was just going to move in there. The original plan was I was just going to move in there um, and revamp the whole thing, redo all the signage, make it look nice. And that would have been that. Um, yeah. It would have stayed in the same position. I was, I was originally just going to move my whole life over that side of town and or just drive there every day. I really didn't care at that point, did not pass me. Um, and I was just going to move over there because I live in the um, Western suburbs. So the complete opposite side of Melbourne. Gotcha. But yeah, so um, it was to just buy out the whole business. But uh, basically, long story short, we had some issues um, with the lease not being renewed. So uh, we ended up having to move it, which made things very difficult trying to move an entire skate park during COVID to begin with. Um, and not only that, like the uncertainty of everything was just crazy. Like if, you know, pitching this idea to someone, uh, you know, Oh, well, like I'm going to buy a skate park in the middle of COVID and I can't even open it. That sounds just ridiculous. It sounds um, awful. No offense. <laughs> yeah, it does. No, no. It, it sounds just like, what are you doing? Are you even thinking about what you're doing? Um, 
But to me, it was the I had the opportunity there. It was there, and it was like either take it now or I'll never know. So I was willing to just sacrifice that, and I knew I knew that I was capable of putting in all the work that was required. Um, and don't get me wrong, there were some super long days that went into. Um, and there still is super long days that went into moving it and getting everything ready, getting things set up. Um, the build itself took uh, about eight or nine months, which was just you know pretty crazy uh, to walk in every day and just have, you know, just walk out to like this skate park that was just unbuilt because it's all made of steel frames. So yeah. it was just this big factory, this big, you know, nearly 2,000 square meter factory um, with just frames everywhere just stuff absolutely everywhere you walk there's wood and there's just everything so um that was a huge thing to face in the middle of the pandemic and everything going on and to wake up to that every day kind of go in and be like you know you'd walk in the, i'd walk in the door and i'd just be like take a big deep breath and be like all right let's go and let's get it done just slowly chip away brick by brick every single day and eventually get there so um, okay so initially you were you were planning on just buying uh it was used to be called bunker right yeah it was bunker and then um we got purchased uh, yeah and then, different so you were you were just empire. trying to initially just buy empire revamp that place and then just call that yeah. your your spot but then you you said you said you had to like move stuff like and and then i noticed like at your skate park the ramps aren't at all what the old bunker ramps were right I mean, not bunker. Uh, yeah, Empire. Yeah, no, different. Yeah, yeah, different. So, so, yeah, definitely... so there's, so there's no tie to like the old Empire skate park at all. Then you just started from scratch. Uh, yeah. So, so this would be considered as like a completely new business, regardless. Like, if you like to to put it this way, if you went anywhere uh, and like it's all new accounts, it's all new, absolutely everything. If Got you. Bank, they wouldn't even recognize that but, it was the old business. But Empire exist. closing was kind of your like foot in the door, like what got yeah. the idea in your head yeah exactly that's what that's what to me was like all right, there's an opportunity there it's possible run all the financials to see how possible it actually is and viable it actually is and then i'm not going to just step in a hole here and then we'll get it rolling so and i don't want to get this misconstrued like i don't want people to think oh well, like i just do it for money because like, it's got nothing to do with money it's just got to do with this for me was an opportunity to stay in an industry that i absolutely love yeah i do okay i just want to stop you right there i think that there's a horrible conception in scootering where people where it's like frowned upon to like look at money but like when you think about mm -hmm. it it's like you have to th i think about scootering as like a car and people in the car the the people in the car are like the ones driving it, right? And they're and they're they're driving yeah. they're driving this car around, but like the car's gotta like have gasoline, and the gasoline yeah, is the money point. that gets the riders around, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's like it'd be great to have just a passionate, super stoked, stopped car, but that car's not going anywhere. Scootering is literally yeah. just stopped. So it's like in order for scootering to continue and progress. There needs to be money flowing through it. And ideally, exactly right. the more money we can pull into scootering, the more, the further we can take each of our passions as That's just the it. fuel, yeah. you know? And so, like, I, I really, I get annoyed when people are, like, like want to, like, I don't know, be quiet about the money word. But it's, like, no, like, let's be realistic. Like, money's money's how mm. change happens. Like, money's yeah, money's yeah, the, yeah. the reactant. Like, like I don't know. It's That's just, it. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, and I definitely had this. And like, you gotta, you gotta when, make a living. That's another thing too, is like, yeah. is like, 
as much as like you'd want to do this for like charity or whatever, but it's like you got to eat, you got to like, yeah, yeah, you, you got to do nice things your... for yourself. You, you, you know, yeah. it's like it, it's just you want to do this instead of devoting your time to something else where you don't feel like you could be fully using yourself. I don't that's think that's, yeah. I don't think that's selfish at all. I think if anything, that's like, nah, a, I think that's a, like an honorable act. It is, of course it is. And like what, what I hope with the skate park and one, one thing I've always said since the beginning is that what I want this to do more than anything is motivate other people to take exactly. steps, to do, to take risks and to make something out of this because it's too often that I see these people who are so talented, like more talented than I am, well and truly, that spend 10, 12, 13, 14 years building a career in scootering and they don't know how to progress from the scoot from that, what they're in, the little niche of getting paid, you know, whatever it is by a company, but not not being able to meet their months end. So they have to go and get a full-time job and then eventually that takes over and blah, blah, blah. You know, that happens far, far too often. It's happened to many friends of mine. And I, it's just a waste. Like it's a, it's such a waste. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, the twelve years or whatever you're in it isn't the waste. The waste is you, this talented person that's like one in a million, and now all that you've just done for the past twelve years goes to you doing what? Like doing something not, you don't enjoy. Lead up anymore. to nothing. Yeah, I've, yeah. So utilize that. Like what you know. And I try to say to people too. Um, is that support when you see you know your favorite riders and you see all your friends doing these type of things you need to support it in the right way like if, if someone doesn't add for something go and comment on that and be like that's awesome and support it because like that's obviously doing something to to further progress them well whatever mm-hmm. it might be and, and it does it supports them in a huge way um you know i've done plenty of ads for People like 7-Eleven. Um, I don't know if you guys have 7-Eleven in the US, but like 7-Eleven. Yeah, yeah, 7-Eleven, um, Krispy Kreme, you know, like a bunch of different ones. And like, junk, I don't promote anything I also don't think is good to begin with. But if I do that, it's awesome when other pro riders come on and be like, that's sick because it's like, well, you know, this is a way to make money and this is a way to be able to survive in this industry. It's a way to scooter longer. Sport. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And if it's not like, you know, we're out here and we're going and just like taking all this money from people and going buying like Gucci and like going and buying a Ferrari or whatever it is. Like it's, that's unrealistic, but it's, it's a way that we can stay in it for a longer time. And it's a way to make a career out of it and enjoy what we're doing, you know, for the long haul. So that's, that's like with the park is that I, and I even tell people like I, I reach out to a couple and then I'm, and this is a message just to reach out right now for anyone in Melbourne or anyone anywhere that wants to come here and has a, an idea or an opportunity or something they want to present to me that involves collaborating with the park. If I can help you guys make money and I can help you guys better your career or, you know, whatever, even just a good time, I'm always open to that always. And I, I tell, um, you know, everyone here, like take advantage of the fact that I'm the one that's bearing the risk here. Like I'm the one that bears the risk of the skate park and all the overheads and things like that. So take advantage of the fact that you have that in your backyard and you can come and do whatever you want, whenever you want. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I, I endorse that for sure, man. That's, that's important to me. And it, it's, it's an opportunity, not just for me, but it's an opportunity for everyone around me, which is probably like more rewarding than, than it is for me. So um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that money is, uh, I don't necessarily think it's, it's a uh, necessity to discuss like the ins and outs of contracts or anything like that with brands and, and whatever companies that sponsor people. But I think it's important that we talk about like where the future goes with scooters. I think that's a, an important topic and conversation to be had. So 
Well, what I think is interesting that I observe quite a bit is um, is what you're talking about is, is the people who scooter for 12, 14 years, and they just stop, right? And I'm, and I'm sure you know quite a few of them. And what's, what's irritating to me is when I talk to these people or I listen to these people or I, or I hear these people talk, they're, they're always talking about like how they didn't get enough from their brand that they were sponsored mm-hmm. by. How they yeah. didn't, how they didn't get enough given to them, and it's it always roots back to like, like, like how are you expect me to live, and like off of what what you're give like what I'm given, and it's like yeah, it's it, entitlement. It's yeah. it's like a big entitlement thing. But I but I feel like like yes, it yes, it is a bummer that there isn't any like particularly clear routes in scootering where it's like all right, if you do X, Y, and Z like you will then be able to live off scootering for X amount of time. Like there's, there's not really like a formula for that. I think that that's kind of a bummer. It's not like that, but I also feel like we have such a huge opportunity for the people in scootering right now where, because there's none of those opportunities, like in order for those opportunities to exist, someone has to create them. And and literally, literally like, no one has created those opportunities yet. So it's like, who's going to be the one to create the opportunities for others? Who's going to put mm. themselves to that higher position? And I feel like right now the playing field and scootering is so blank. You know, there's there's yeah. there's people doing stuff, obviously, but there's so many unfilled un, uh, positions within scootering that people just haven't made up yet, you know? Yeah. And I feel like yeah. there's so yeah, many it's... opportunities that people can just make up and go and pursue and actually get paid from it that like will yeah. genuinely benefit like scootering and they'll be able to live off of it. I think another right. big dilemma in scootering as well is people rely way too much on their on their manufacturing brand to pay them as for being a rider. And and mm-hmm. and the reason I'm saying that is if we compare scootering to any other action sport, it's like where do the people get paid? They get paid from um their larger corporate sponsors for example their yeah. shoe sponsor or their energy drink mm-hmm. sponsor or their yeah, clothing yeah, sponsor the yeah. or or they they do some crazy deal they do they 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 get their money they they literally get paid from their outside sponsors not actually the thing that they ride yeah and yeah. and i feel like right now it's like we don't really have many of those things within scootering but it's like we don't have many of those things within scootering. So who's going to be the ones to get it? Who's going to be the ones to make to make yeah. those links? Because yeah. I guarantee you the people that do make those links, they're going to be like solidified in scootering. And they're like mm. and the people that come beneath them and follow those links, they're not going to be as solidified as the initial person who did it. So like yeah. I think nah, nah. I think that there's plenty of room to complain in scootering saying, "Well, like scooter riders aren't getting paid enough. There's not enough opportunity." presented in front of me blah 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 blah. like yes that sucks but i feel like the like if you really if you look at it from a different perspective and and just look at like how blank the the playing field is there's so many opportunities you just have to make it up like you did dude 100 percent, man like that's the the thing that i i completely agree you take the words out of my mouth at that like right now it seems to be like it's it's like one big pity party of because it seems like everyone of this generation, we've now hit an age where it's like, all right, we need to start being able to fend for ourselves. We need to pay our bills and our rent and whatever else. So um, once they start to realize, oh, well, like I'm not making enough money to do so, um, instead of being like optimistic and thinking, oh, well, like, all right, if I don't have enough money to do so from this company and they're not going to pay me anymore, how can I make money elsewhere? I need to make money somehow else um, so I can stay in this and we'll do it in a certain way. So 
what's happening instead of people trying to like figure that out and mind you like when we're talking about this we're talking about people that have tens of thousands of followers on social media absolutely utilizing yeah. that you know like and there's many industries where they don't have that so um like we're just fortunate with that but like instead of it being like all right how am i going to do this it's all oh, i'm just going to throw a pee party and it seems like everyone's jumping in it's an easy it's an easy route to take it's easy to complain the problem is to be able to get these other opportunities it means working it means like mm-hmm. real real working it means not like not just go to the skate park and try some tricks and if you don't land it keep trying some more tricks and whatever else and because like that's one kind of work and don't get me wrong i've done that for years i know how physically and mentally draining that can be um but that's different you get enjoyment out of that at the same time and fulfillment when it comes to something where you're unsure of the outcome the, then the story's flipped because it means that like you could potentially be working to something that might not ever amount to anything, but you could be working to something that does. Like take Undialed, for example. I'm sure when you and Clayton started Undialed, you weren't like immediately thinking, oh, you know, we're going to have all these followers and we're going to do... No way, man. You're just thinking, here's a gap. Let's try and fill it. If it works, sweet. Like, and if it doesn't, well, we try it anyway, man. What, what difference does it make? Yeah. So now the difference is you guys have come down this path and now you guys are working. I would say if anything, it's probably the most, the, the amount of initiative with you is insane. You know, you are working with big brands like Puma and, and everything like that. Like that's crazy. That is opening those doors. That's mm-hmm. the difference. So, um, I think that people need to take that as inspiration and not be envious so much of that and, and really look at it and be like, well, he's done it so I can do it because I'm like them and I, I grew up doing the same thing and we do the same thing. So, you know, how can I have my own little twist on what I'm doing now and make something out of that? So, you know, what for me, yeah. yeah. What I was going to say is, you know, there, you know, one like interesting thing, like after working with like, working with like some, some bigger brands is, is it, it's always it, what's interesting is it always comes down to like, like they they want their opinion of what scootering thinks about them, you know. And it's like yeah. it's like I feel like scooter riders are always so concerned. Like I wonder what this big brand thinks about me. But it's like, it's like yo, these big brands are just as nervous about like yo. So what does this community think about us? You know. So I yeah, feel like yeah. there's it's it's so interesting. It's like it's like when one person thinks the other person doesn't like them, and then the the, the person who Think uh, yeah, it doesn't yeah, like yeah. them it's and it's and like, it's like, like a, but it's like if they know. actually just if they actually just met and like like felt and each other out they'd probably be great friends you know what i mean yeah exactly that's yeah 100 and i find that too man like like working and speaking with people that are outside of screws is like that's that's their take on it is they have no idea at the end of the day the way that people need to look at it is that people will take opportunities that make sense for the most part like when we're talking about um you know, these, these big companies like Nike and Puma, like Puma and Adidas, whatever, um, is eventually once it makes sense for them to put their foot in scootering and everything, and they see it as a viable option, monetary as well, and as a representative for their brand, they will do it. They're, they're a business. They're a company at the end of the day. They're not someone that, they're not doing it based off of emotion right now. They're not like, oh, I don't really like the way that guy pushes, or I don't really like how he does, I don't know, he has front side, like, they, that is completely irrelevant well, to them. It hey, comes hey, down to numbers. It, like, not so fast. I feel like it does come down to those to those little things that you're talking about. But in order to keep the car going, the gasoline has to be made. Like, there yeah, has to be yeah, the gasoline. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I feel like these yeah. companies do care about those little things. Don't get, like, for sure they do. But it's like, in the grand scheme of things, they're just trying to make sure that they can continue the next year. That's, that's yeah, really that's the... It. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I think like Dave's jumping the gun a bit to say that it's irrelevant. I wouldn't say it's irrelevant. I would say that it's a secondary. It's like it's secondary. You know, we yeah, we need to make sure we need to make sure that this is going to work, and then we can worry about the things in between that. And because because what it comes down to is like the representatives of whatever that company is, um, which is something that's really important. Which is something that I is another conversation about with writers. I think. Um, right now it lacks really bad and needs to advance and the sooner it does the better off and more opportunities we'll have is just the the way that writers can uphold themselves and represent themselves and everything like that because most of these people if you chuck in a meet if you chuck you know 50 percent of the pro writers in a boardroom with a bunch of guys from humor or adidas or something like that they wouldn't know how to approach that if their life if their life depended on it um, which is like, I'm not saying that's a huge issue. I'm just saying it's something that we should work on. Like me, me included with that, you know, I've learned more over the past two, three, four years of doing that. But as I've done that, I've also noticed that opportunity has opened up for me. So I think that's an important thing to consider. And, and as we move forward, like it's only going to help us progress. So. Absolutely. I feel like, I feel like what's interesting is like, if you like every single pro rider knows how to, pick a thumbnail for Instagram. You know what I mean? Like that's, mm, that's easy, yeah. but I, I think that's because it's taught by example. Like I, I wonder like, like, I don't know. Action sports is tough because I feel like scootering is the rebellious sport of the rebellious sports. So it's kind of like not really within scooter riders natures to like be super presentable. Like one of the most presentable scooter riders I feel like there is, is like Austin Spencer. Like, like he's, yeah, I yeah. feel like where he, he really shines is just like how presentable he can be. But it's like teaching mm-hmm. somebody a skill like that is something that I feel like isn't, isn't something that's emphasized enough within scootering. Like I, it's not like seen as like an important skill or if you do have yeah. it, then you're like, you're seen as like this or that. And I feel like that narrative really needs to change if we, if we want to get more guys involved with bigger brands, but then again, I feel like authenticity authenticity is very important, and like it would be cool yeah. just to have like some kind of like grungy guys that like that's their vibe. I think know? I I think the I think you cannot take the authenticity out of like scootering, especially because it's it's like similar to how skating is. You know, like everyone has their own style and their outrageous style. Like you know, someone like that I use an example like Dylan Morrison, man. One of the his riding style and his personality matches his riding, and he's. He's like this whole package of a person that's just like incredible and just such a crazy rider as well. Um, and I'm sure Dylan, someone who probably is working on and learning how to collaborate with more people, which I hope so, which would be awesome. Um, so he's someone who like, you can't, you couldn't turn to Dylan and be like, Hey Dylan, stop presenting yourself on social media the way you do, because what, that'll affect everything of his image if you do that. Um, which is something that people are attracted to, which in turn is like what we said before, mm-hmm. makes companies interested in when there's attention there. So um, I, I completely agree. You could be, you do have to have some representatives that can stand up and talk and can, you know, do the things that might link those, you know, connect those missing links as to why we're not a part of bigger things right now. Um, but don't get me wrong, like Scooter's a young man, they're so young. We're kind of like the first generation of people of actually doing things that are really making an impact in Scooter's. So, and you know, with, with the park and with everything that's going on with me is I hope to continue doing my best I can to be involved in that and grow that. Um, and yeah, so I've had conversations with a couple of different companies and stuff about sponsorship of the park and just, you know, different ride days and things like that, which is really awesome. Um, so I'm hoping that can open up some doors and, you know, scooter has been my life for 
12 years. So it's not like I'm just going to open up a skate park and turn my back on it. That's like literally my main thing that's going on. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to definitely see where, where we go over the next like 10 years or so. I think it's going to be really incredible. So, um, so hold on. I just, I just totally spaced out what I was going to say. <laughs> Dang it. Um, I, I, I was going to say, um, Holy shit, I just forgot it. I was going to say something really sick, too. Well, hey, if it comes back to me. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, so so going going back into uh, when you were building the skate park, you, you said that it was a very interesting time because it was coronavirus season, and I feel like it still is coronavirus season, unfortunately. We're like, what are we, like, yeah. almost two years deep into this? Um, yeah. So, yeah. what has COVID been like in Australia? I'm so, I'm so curious. Uh, absolutely horrible. Um, so I, I try not to get involved in like the political side of things too much. And I don't read too much about like what's going on in the US or here or you know anything. Um, I just kind of try to deal with everything that's going on uh, because. So we opened, like to put things into perspective, in Melbourne and Victoria, it's been the worst by far. We opened in May um, and we haven't been open for a consecutive month yet. We've been open for the most was two and a half weeks. So we get closed down and we get open back up, we get closed down, open back up. And um, they hand out, you know, like these little grants, which do basically nothing that you don't see until weeks later anyway. Um, And it's, but I think what, what isn't taken into consideration with these things is like the long-term effect it's going to have because every time we go into a lockdown and every time we come back out, people have less money than the time before. Um, and not only that, people are losing more money than the time before. So it's, you know, everyone's losing their jobs and everyone's trying to get jobs and no one wants to hire because people can't afford to hire. So it's like this back and forth of just like the economy is dying and dying and dying. Um, but it's been really bad. I mean, we went into a lockdown... Um, we're in one right now, actually. So we it's it's hard to keep track. We were open for like a week and then we went back into one because there was, uh, I think, six cases or something like that. So we went into a lockdown, um, a snap lockdown for uh, a week and now it's gone on to two weeks. And basically that just means like you can't, you can't do anything really. You can't leave your house. You can't. Um, the only reason you can leave is if you absolutely have to for work. Um, to go to the grocery store to for exercise, to get a vaccine, and that's about that. Um, so it's it's definitely a huge damper here, and I, I think like even for those people that are vaccinated and that do get negative test results and everything like that, like they're still required to isolate for the 14 days and do all this stuff, which is contradicting. But um, yeah, I think for me, like I'm just. Every time it happens, I have to go back to the books and be like, all right, like, what are we going to do this time around? How can I just make sure that everything's all right until we come out of this? And then how can we prepare for when things open back up? So um, that was definitely a huge, it's been a huge damper on everything going on. But it is, again, like this is part of the reason why um, now that I'm going to be opening up the cafe next week, regardless of whether we're open or not, um, like for the skate park, because we're allowed to open for takeaway and things like that. We just can't open for, um, like, we're not allowed to open the skate park. So I'd open up the cafe, so at least it brings in some form of income. Um, but I won't be able to open up the park, which is, you know, for the most part, for the past, like, four months, we've had this finished skate park just sitting there empty, which is just, like, pretty heartbreaking to walk out and see. But, you know, we'll deal with it. We'll get through it. And, you know, on the other end, we'll figure things out and we'll get better. 
have um how many sessions have you had there since since it's been like complete um like like me personally or just no, 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 just just like open to the public because i know i've seen uh, kids so, in there yeah so probably um so we're open for we've been open for i think it's six and a half weeks in total but okay. they were like two and a half they were like two weeks in between each kind of thing so since we've been open we've gone into three three different lockdowns um so we opened we did our like pre-opening night which is great um, and then we officially opened that weekend and then we were open for two weeks. We closed for the four weeks Then we opened for two weeks. We closed. Um, then we opened last week and then we closed again this week or like the previous week, whatever. Um, so really like, you know, we, we run, our sessions are just like general, not we're open from nine to nine every day. Um, because I'm just, we're here every day anyway. So we just feel we're open. Um, but I don't know exactly how many sessions, but our sessions just run in three hour increments. So, um, it's been, the problem is like, it's been hard to organize and do certain things, um, like events, you can't really organize because you don't know how to structure around it, um, which makes it hard to look forward to things and plan around things. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's been pretty difficult, but yeah, <laughs> we're dealing with it. Damn. That's, that's crazy. Um, so you said you, you have like three primary things within, within, uh, your skate park. You have the skate park, um, Valdo park. You have your cafe roller cafe and you have V2, your scooter shop. So while the lockdowns are happening, are you still able to like fulfill orders in the V2? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. Go ahead. So, so I was just curious, like, is, is, is that just what you've been doing? Yeah, so generally um, throughout the lockdown, we can still come in here and do that and send out any orders. Um, and also at the same time, like I come in and because like I'm allowed to be here because I'm also a sports professional. So like that's what I'm classified as personally. Um, so I have come and done some filming and done things like that, got social content, like because we're allowed to do that because I can't do that at home. Um, so the rule is you just, you, you can't do, you, you only go to work um, if you can't physically do it from home. So um, if I did it from home, I'm sure the, the landlord in my house wouldn't be too happy. So um, <laughs> it's breaking all the walls. But so I come here, obviously do it here. And then, yeah, just fulfill any orders that come in and that's fine. That, that's all good to go. But yeah, it makes it, it makes it difficult because, you know, there's so much, it's so unstructured that it's like this in and out, in and out constantly. And then people don't really know. People also don't really want to spend money because they don't know if they're going to have money. So yeah. it's it's like a difficult thing to do and go through. But um, yeah, I mean, like I think like for the future, as we start to open up and as things start to get back to whatever the new normal is going to be, um, I definitely think the business model and everything that I have set in place is um, is good. And, I, and it's going to be able to work. It's just a matter of getting through this like difficult phase now. Got you. So COVID on Australia, like what are the lockdowns like? I know I've heard like you're just not allowed to leave your house unless you're going like going on a walk or or like going to grocery store, or, like very select things like. Yeah. Have you known anybody that's been like caught for being outside? Um, I don't uh, I don't know if I know anyone like personally, no one, but I know like friends of friends who have gotten fines from like 
just being outside or being outside of there. So like the thing is you can't leave five kilometers from your house. So it's like what, maybe like three miles or something like that. So you're in like a bubble of your house. Um, So if you go somewhere else, you have to have a reason as to why you're going. And if your reason's not valid, then um, you just get, you can just get slapped with fines. Like I've seen a huge amount of videos and everything from people here who have, um, for example, there was one the other day where, um, this is before we went into another lockdown, but uh, a lady and her partner walked out of a Coles, which is like a, a grocery store here. And as they were walking out, they pulled off their masks as they were walking out. She only needed to have it inside at this point. And there was a copper sitting out the front and just find them straight away, both of them for doing that. Even though they'd worn it the whole time in in there, as the automatic doors are opening, they're pulling them off and then they get slapped with a fine straight away. So um, it was it's pretty ridiculous. Like, they just opened up now what's called regional Victoria. So that's uh, that's like the countryside of Victoria. And basically we, um, if you travel to regional Victoria from like um, Metropole, which is like Metropolitan, which is where I live, and you don't have a good reason, you get like a five, super random number, but it's a $5,424 fine. <laughs> don't know why that number specifically. I'm sure there's a reason for it, but it's like really um, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. In a time when people are already struggling, it's, yeah. it's pretty uncalled for. But whether or not like those fines will even hold up in anything, um, I don't know. I don't. I really couldn't tell you. But I think that it's pretty. It's not a very good thing to threaten people with fines and money um, over something that's. Like when people are already struggling and some of the times people don't even know that they're doing something wrong, like five kilometers from your house. Like I honestly don't even, wouldn't even know where that is. So my closest grocery store is like on the borderline of that. So, but are are they measuring it like five kilometers via maps or five kilometers, like straight shot? Like what is it? Yeah, I don't, that's, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I honestly, I don't even, I wouldn't even know, but it seems like it's just everything and everyone just speaking about it. But, um, a lot of people now are just completely over it. And like most people just don't abide by those laws anymore. Um, or whatever they are, but they don't, they don't really care for it every time, you know, we've had to cancel probably, I think we were supposed to have four birthday parties the weekend just gone. And then we were booked in for another four this weekend. Um, so we, that's eight birthday parties that we have to reschedule and everyone who just calls now, they're just like, you know, this is just a load of it now they're over it. They're sick of it. They just want to move on and like be able to live life like normal. Um, so it's extreme here though. It's pretty extreme. Like, especially in New South Wales and stuff right now, like with that, people have started doing these big protests and they get like the, the police will organize these protests and it's pretty, yeah, it's crazy. It's not a good, not a good place to live. I know a few people who have actually moved to like Queensland just because they're over the lockdowns in Victoria because Queensland's a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it's not, not the best. So is it, it, it runs by like state then? Like it, it's like whatever, yeah. is it states, right? Yeah, states, yeah. Yeah, so it's like whatever state you're in, there's just like completely different laws. Just regarding, yeah. is there any that are completely not on lockdown at all? Yeah, so like each state has a different premier. And then like we have our um, prime minister who kind of, he doesn't really over, he doesn't really overrule any of it as far as I understand. Um, but each state has their own premier. So what they'll do is they'll um, 
get like a they have a health chief officer who gives the advice whether they should go into a lockdown or not um from what i know like western australia has had almost no like very minimal lockdown since the first big one um whereas queensland's had like one or two but they've been pretty good for the most part New South Wales copped it pretty bad and we've copped it really bad. But like Tasmania and like the ACT and stuff, they've been not not so bad, but it's each state individually makes their decisions based on like health advice and, and whatever they're given from their like health chief officers or whatever they are. Um, but it's not uh, like a collective thing. It's funny because actually the states take shots at each other and like say, you know, oh, if you were managing it better, you wouldn't have to be in a lockdown. Like we're not. And it's kind of funny to watch sometimes, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really, I don't understand any of it. What's it's kind of what the most sickening point. thing about COVID for me is just how politicized it's gotten. Just, I mm. mean, especially in America, it's basically like at this point, like if you care about COVID, then you're a Democrat. If you don't care about COVID, then you must be a Republican. And it's just this yeah, insane, like, no black... In well, the thing is, it's just, it's so, so just black and white, you know, it's, it's so yeah. just this or that. And I feel like that's kind of like the, the situation with just COVID in general is it's just, it's turned this, this huge spectrum into this black and white issue where mm. politics and your opinions of everything just come to your opinion about COVID and I feel like yeah. it's it at, at at certain levels it's like people aren't even worried about the actual disease anymore. They're just worried about like being politically correct or incorrect, you know. Yeah. And and, and yeah. it's like yeah, it's like yo, can we just like can we all just work together to like solve this solve this issue? I feel yeah. like the biggest thing for America at least was at the heat of COVID was right when the election was happening. So then everything just piggybacked off of that. You know, yeah, it's just a big storm. And then, of, yeah. and then you know how like American politics trickle down to everywhere in in the world, you know. So then it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, uh, dude, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's become like I feel like it's divided people more than we already were before. Like it seems to have like what's happened. It's yeah, over here it's the same. It's very similar. It's like it's you either have one, either like you're 100 percent for vaccines and you know doing the right thing, or you're just not at all, and there's not an in between. Or there is an in between, just people don't think it exists. So like you know, you either agree with them on everything, or you don't agree with them on anything. That's the way most people here look at it. Um, which is like, <laughs> dude, for me, I'm just like, I just want to open and run my business. I don't care about all this other stuff. You know, I'm happy to. to abide by whatever it means that, you know, you know, having the social distancing and things like that in place, there's no issues with that. Um, But I think that we need to, we need to have some sort of structure where, you know, we're not shutting down all the economy and everything like that, because at the moment there's been more like the amount of suicides and things and the amount of people losing their businesses and families and, you know, marriages, you know, divorces and everything like that in between, um, I feel has had a much harder impact than the actual virus itself which mm-hmm. i'd feel like there's got to be some sort of in between we can meet there where we can prevent some of that or like at least some of that from happening um while still being safe and making sure that we're doing the right thing everywhere else there's got to be somewhere in between i mean like i'm not a prime minister i'm not the one running the state so i can't make that decision but i'd hope that whoever is in that position can kind of you know start to change up their way of thinking or something well, yeah, people go insane when they're just sitting in their house all day. Like, that's just, that's, like, 
Yeah. Literally, what do we do to the worst inmates? We put them in a cell by themselves to not speak to anyone. We socially distance them. And it's like, it's like, what are we doing to like our general public right now? We're like, literally like, we're kind of doing that in a, in a way, but it's like, it's like, I feel like some of the same mental patterns come into play. Like, I feel like humans, we have these amazing senses. We have these amazing ability to like interpret the reality around us. And it's like, Mm. if we're not using those things, like we get sad. You know, it's like, yeah, it's yeah, like this generally, is like, yeah. this, is, this is our job. Yeah. This is our job to use our senses, use our bodies. Like humans mm. aren't meant to sit around. We're meant to like r- chase animals and stuff. Like, like yeah. really, yeah, exactly. And, and it's like when we can't like figuratively chase our animals in life, when we can't go out and like experience new air and just like new situations and meet new people, I feel like that's where it gets potentially dangerous. And I and I think like I think one reason that they're they're justifying these these social distancing and these lockdowns so much the reason they're able to want enforce it so much is because of the internet but i feel like also they can justify it too because of the internet they can say oh well you shouldn't feel like you're lonely because you can just zoom call you can just mm. you can just yeah yeah instagram you know that that's gonna help anything. yeah and it's like it's like sure that's like that's like that's an alternative Absolutely. But I feel like there's like this certain level of conversation or the certain level of humor, human interaction that can't be replaced with even a video chat that's live or even just yeah. like seeing social media posts. Like I feel like humans, in order to be a human, you have to have that social interaction, which is why yeah, I think it's human which, contact, which yeah. is why I think that people fall in love with action sports. You know, they go to their they go to a skate park, they find their community, they find these people to be around, they feel this energy. And it's like, that's what really ultimately hooks them. Sure, they love the mm. activity that they're doing, but what hooks them is that friendship. And I feel like when yeah, people, yeah. and I feel like everyone kind of, depending on where you are in the world, I feel like everyone kind of has their own little tribe like that. And when people can't be with their tribe, it's like people start thinking irrationally. I, I yeah. remember when I was in the, the COVID stuff, like, like I was thinking kind of irrationally. I mean, just about like, just about things. And then, and then when the media gives you something to worry about, right? It gives you something to like, all right, well, mm. I know you're not doing yeah. anything. So really hyper-focus on this. It's like when they give yes, you that yeah, thing, yeah. it's <laughs> like, it's like, that's like a recipe for, for disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, man. It's, and, it's a, and, the social interaction and everything. Just... And what else I think is really important is like, I wish, I wish that they would really like, like they talk about all the ways to stay safe, but they never bring up like exercise eating healthy, mm. eat, doing all yeah, of these, yeah. these things that like really will benefit you to like beat COVID. Um, but yeah, when you, when you look at system. what is it like 75% of people who have COVID, at least in the United States are like, like morbidly obese and it's like, yeah. or who die from COVID. And it's just like, well, like, why aren't we like, like, I don't know. I feel like we, we could have flipped this whole COVID thing into like such a cool, positive situation of her just like, all right, guys, mm. like, the way you beat this virus is, is like getting into shape by being treating your yeah, body well. See, I said and, when it first came around, I said like I was like, it's it's a good thing. People should get into the habits of washing their hands, being cleaner, and yeah. like you know, giving giving the space. You know, like when you line up at, like to to get some food or something, and someone's basically standing on your heels. It's like you should have the respect anyway. Just give that one point five meters or whatever. Like these are good principles in place just for the wrong reasons right now. Like it seems, it seems like, well, not the wrong reason, but it's, it seems like it's not enforced as like a lifestyle change. It's enforced as like, it's mandatory. You have to do this because like, otherwise I'm going to give you a fine. That's what it's 
made out to be like over here. Whereas like, as you said, like promoting healthy eating and promoting things like washing your hands, they're good things. They're not bad. They've always been good things. So yeah, you could put a flip on this and say, well, if you start eating healthy, like how about build up your immune system and build up these things. So if you do get it, you don't just go straight into hospital and you actually have the strength and you, you know, you're healthy enough. Um, and maybe that's something that long-term sticks, you know, that would be awesome to see. But yeah, it's the same here. Like most people who are hospitalized or that die from it are like 80, 90 years old. Um, and it's never, you know, someone my age or anything like that. I'm not saying it's not possible. I just like statistically, you know, all of them are in, in old nursing homes or things like that and they get it. And it's the same way as like with the flu. Like, so it's, yeah, I don't, it's a confusing time. I think what you were saying, the human contact and everything is a huge part of just living in general. And like our homes are supposed to be the place where we go um, to feel safe and we feel, you know, at home, like that's the idea of it, not trapped. Like it's a place we go by choice and the place we live and, you know, go about our day. But now it seems like, cause we're like forced to stay in our homes, we start to resent them more and more and more. And you start to resent the people that are around you more because you're trapped with people all the time. And yeah, it's, it becomes just all over the place. You know, like we had recently, um, we came out of last lockdown, you're allowed to, so you couldn't have anyone at your house, not a single person at your house, um, but you can go and meet up at a cafe with someone, like up to 100 people. So it's like I can go to the cafe around the corner um, and meet like all my friends and family, but they're not allowed to come to my house at all. Not allowed to set foot in it. So, yeah, I mean, there's some inconsistencies there, which is just a bit disturbing, but, you know, at the end of the day, what do you, what do? You do? <laughs> I feel like all we can do at this point is just hope that the COVID situation at least kind of goes away. I My biggest fear is that, like, we're going to have scars left over from this that people will not be able to see a future where the certain elements in play that have been created during this whole mess won't just continue. Mm. I, yeah, that, I agree with that. that, yeah. that that's like... That's my biggest fear of, of this whole situation. I yeah. I think, you know, I genuinely like to believe there's brighter days ahead of us and and things are will continue to get better. I, I feel like that's the only way you can think about life, right? Um yeah. but I, I don't know. I just I just I really hope that things in Australia at least because I at least in the United States, like everything is pretty much open. But I, I like I hope for you guys that things just kind of go away. So that way you, you won't have to reschedule birthday parties and that way you'll be able to really get the full advantage of your skate park, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I definitely, I say hope, uh, hopeful and positive, you know, I do, I do think that eventually we'll get to a point where we're open and we're running like normal. Um, even with just, you know, a few months under our belt where we can start to set things up and get some things and systems in place would be awesome. Um, and yeah, you know, like my goal eventually isn't just to just to have this skate park. Like I want to eventually do more things. So um, I want to be able to fulfill those goals in this lifetime. And that's for sure. And yeah, it's just a matter of, to, in order to do that, unfortunately I need the world to be open. So <laughs> we just got our fingers crossed that we do keep things open and we can be open and eventually, you know, 
we get get the ball rolling to some sort of new normal. I understand that it's not going to be what it was before COVID, like probably never will be, and that's fine. But it's a matter of like at least adapt to some sort of new normal, not one where we're kind of you know in and out, in and out, in and out. Because it seems like every time something happens, every time you know another lockdown's announced, it's like this big you know weight on everyone's shoulders again, and you can see it in people. Like, and it's it's sad, man. Like, I, I'm someone that's a pretty mentally strong person. And I think to go through something like this with everything going on as well, is like, you have to be, you don't really have a choice, but um, this, there's some people I know and I can see that just like, don't cope with it so well, you know, every time this happens and it's just unfortunate, but yeah. So hopefully we get back to something, but in the meantime. <laughs> so tell me about some of your future goals of, uh, of your skate park. Like where, where do you want, like what aspirations do you have for that complex? I'm I'm sure you want to eventually host contests, but beyond that, like what else do you want to do? I'm curious. Yeah. So, um, obviously with, with contests, when is this going to be out? Cause I can say something, but I don't know when this is going to be released tomorrow, tomorrow, maybe not. Anyway, if you'll see it on social media, we have something that's going to be hosted here, which is really awesome. Um, definitely awesome for a good jump start too, um, to be so early on. Um, so one of the things is we've just pretty much finalized a major sponsor for the park, which I can't, which is going to have to remain nameless for this time. Um, but it's, uh, it's something I'm really excited to be working with. And I think it's going to be really awesome. Um, this is, that has been going on and negotiated for a few months now. So big sponsorship for the skate park. Um, but my goals for the actual skate park and business in general, I set it up the way I did to be very specific. Um, and that's with the, how I mentioned earlier about the cafe and the store, uh, the store and the skate park itself, because um, I wanted to set up a sustainable business model to where I can duplicate that. So once this is on its feet and up and running, my goal would be to go and make one in another state um, and then go and make one in another state after that and then another one after that and keep going as long as I can. And eventually I would really like to expand it so it becomes a bigger and bigger entity so it could become something like Woodward one day um, or something like Adrenaline Alley where it's just a beast of a place. Um, but in order to do it, it needs to be you know set up in the right way as well. So that's why... You know, we have the skate park and then the store, which will be able to maintain itself. And then you have the cafe on top of that. So wherever these, the, the next one would be, is they'll be in very specific areas, the same way that this one is, to make a, so, so it's a sustainable business model as well. And it brings in a good amount of money and it can be, you know, can exist and we can expand it. Um, I have big plans to add and take, you know, change up things at this park in general too. Um, but looking like further to the future, kind of like a five-year plan would definitely be to open up one, if not a couple more um, in different states. So, Okay, so have you ever yeah. thought about this? I think one of the most important things about skate parks that I've at least realized like uh, from, from my own looking at skate parks, I feel like the skate parks that succeed are the ones that, that discipline themselves in several areas. For example, um, ramp works. I'm just gonna use ramp works for example. They have they have yeah. their they have their good skate they have their great skate park, but they also like do a lot with online sales, and that's that's kind of like their main their main thing, or at least where they make yeah. their money. 
for you, I think you you have an awesome idea in place where basically you have the skate park, you have your shop, and then you have like your own restaurant. Um, have you ever considered, um, because I know some skate parks here they have like trampoline parks, but trampoline parks, you know, that takes up a lot of real estate. Have you ever yeah. considered putting in a workout facility? Like, yeah, yeah, like a fitness center. So that way, yeah, so, so that yeah. way parents could go drop off their kid at the skate park and then go and work out. So that way it's like two birds, one stone, same place. Yeah. Like, have yeah, you- yeah. So it's funny you say that because, um, like there's a couple of different, di- like different areas where I would like to explore as things expand. Um, for example, the where I have this factory now, next door is like almost like an identical looking factory. It's just on the opposite side, but it's in one lot. Um, so my landlord owns both of these. And uh, like my goal, my biggest goal would be to eventually be able to just buy both of these factories and have one as a skate park, one as a gym next to it. So it'd be like one complex, just piece of a complex where it's like a full full gym facility and then um, be able to have the skate park as well. Um, but alternatively, I think definitely moving down the track and seeing um, it, it really, the most difficult thing that it comes down to is uh, the, the building specifically and then what sort of risk you can take on versus how long it's going to take for things to start coming back in where you can start to pay those bills off. Um, because obviously if I went and rented out, you know, some crazy size facility and then I can't fulfill the overheads, then like that's not going to last very long. Um, but I think that having multiple, like especially fitness, what you're saying, multiple different wheels turning into one place is such a good idea. Um, I know Tommy had mentioned it in, um, the podcast with you guys and that was that like at the moment we'd had troubles with that phone bit being able to open it um so if eventually that is something that i can't open like physically just can't do it um then obviously we'll rip it out and i would probably end up looking at putting in something like a rock climbing wall and making that its own like area as well because it's out of another roller door where you could almost make that as if it's its own separate thing. Um, you could have it so it's in a, in a, kind of like a play center almost where the skate park and the rock climbing wall would be the play center, but um, it'd be another thing to the business is just like completely separate. Um, the, the way I look at it, the more avenues that you can hit, the better it is for sure. But I definitely think with the, the thing with the parents would be absolutely awesome. And I did definitely think of that. It's more just um, finding the right place for that would probably be the most difficult thing like the right size. Like if it was something like a Woodward, yeah, for sure, man. That would be, you know, like maybe not to that extent because the parents generally drop the kids off, um, but maybe something like an Adrenaline Alley or like, you know, Corby, how it's so big and it has all the different things. You could probably dedicate one area to that that you could see to be beneficial. Um, I definitely think it's, you know, it's a good idea. That's for sure. Uh, Yeah, I feel like parent, like, you're, you're already on it. You're already doing multiple routes, but I feel like that's the way that skate parks don't succeed is they just, they only focus on the skate park and it, yeah. that's just, it's not fulfillable without other routes. Let me ask about yeah. your restaurant real quick. I, I'm actually curious. I feel like most skate park restaurants, um, usually consist of microwavable food. Um, that they <laughs> overpricely sell, um, candy. We love candy. Um, soda, energy drinks and that's about it what what sets yeah. your restaurant apart from 
from these stereotypical ways? Yeah, so um, basically we, um, I now, as I said, had hired a full-time cook. So someone that has experience in proper cooking and restaurant, things like that. Are you going to let him so like not, make the menu? Yeah, so it's a, it's a lady, but yeah, yeah, I am. She's, she's going to set the menu and everything like that. Um, so the difference is, is that the main focus for this is that it's serving the outside and then that food will also serve the skate park. So the good thing about that is that- Do you have a separate that, entrance? Yeah, so they're two you. separate sides. Yeah, so one side, um, I bought all new equipment for the cafe. So completely made, like the cafe, like was not there. And I installed like a mezzanine and a kitchen and bought all the equipment and everything like that that's there now. So the good thing is that on one side it has like a, a big bay marie where you put all the hot food and then a cold bay marie where you make all like fresh salad rolls and all those type of things. Um, but we're talking like proper industrial, like cafe food. So we're talking like proper dishes, proper sandwiches, and, um, you know, even sit down food, different sort of rolls and things like that. So it's not going to be like, we, we do have the standard, you know, deep fried food, chips, nuggets, all those type of things. Cause you know, people still love that, but we'll have the option to have like proper dishes, like fried rices and different curries and pastas and, you know, all the proper like food that you can actually have that's good. So I feel uh, like yeah, that, that I feel like it there's never been a skate park where where parents have been able to like comfortably eat. You yeah, know? Yeah, like there's that's never right. been because yeah. I feel like you could really get something going where like you have a parent come, they like something on that menu that draws them <laughs> mm-hmm. to the skate park and then the kid yeah. gets to ride. It's kinda like the greatest Chuck E. Cheese ever. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, that's the idea. So, like, the, the idea with the cafe was like, it hit those, like, it hit the, it was two birds with one stone. It's like, oh, you operate the cafe and that works and that's sweet. But not only that, but then the people of the skate park can benefit from the food that's made from the cafe. So, you know, she'll also cook and make everything for the skate park and there'll be proper food there. So, if people want to eat it, they can. And especially once we have, you know, some big contests and things like that. You won't have to go to McDonald's and whatever else down the road because they're going to have affordable too, good food that's right there, um, as well as like proper good coffee, like barista made coffee, and you know obviously your main selection of drinks and things like that as well. But it's going to be yeah, proper food. That's the idea of it <laughs> because you know it's the same for my parents taking me to skate parks. It's like they just never eat the food. Cause it's, you know my own just it's deep fried food, whatever. I'm not going to eat that, but. Can I give you a suggestion? This is just an idea I had. You should decorate the restaurant with products from your V2 store. So that way, listen to this. this. If a parent is in there with their kids and it happens to be like the brand new Maddie deck on the wall, right? While they're sitting at dinner, he could be like, yo, dad, see that deck that's like right above your head? That's the deck <laughs> I really wanted, you know. And you could you could basically like you could use it as a showroom for your actual store. So yeah, that way yeah. so that way kids could work their parents up in conversation while they're eating. That'd be hilarious. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, it's the best song to do That's funny. That's a good idea. Uh, that's really good. That's and see, dude, they're they're the type of things where like it gets the wheels turning up here, and you're just constantly thinking about and like it's endless opportunity. That's the best part about it. So, yeah, it's that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Another thing too that I thought of is hypothetically in the future, if you made if you did make a fitness center, I know one you're really tuned in with fitness, right? After living 
he actually here in beautiful Arizona with Scotty Arizona, the Body. Yeah, 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 dude. When you lived here with Scotty the Body, and uh, and you were you were pumping iron. That's what you were doing. Um, <laughs> I, I know that's one of your passions. So I feel like what you could really do is you could specialize the restaurant into making health conscious foods and like workout foods, mm. and you can you could even sell like a signature like like. Uh, Chiravolo protein shake. You know what I mean? So, yeah, some, yeah, something yeah, goofy. Yeah, so, yeah. so that way people go in there. They they go to the cafe to get prepped. They then go work out while their kid is scootering, and then everyone meets up yeah, at the restaurant yeah. for dinner again. That would be that'd be amazing. Dude, yeah, that's that's it. That's the full circle, man. And you know, like the best part about it is that, like, with those ideas and things like that. Uh, it's it's such a cool concept that I don't have to ask anyone to do like if I can do that, you know, like that's why I love it because it's so hands-on that I can just be like, Oh, I want to introduce this. I want to try this. If it doesn't work, whatever. But I don't have to go to all these heads above me to say, can I do this? Or yeah. Okay. Let me check with him. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And then it's just like, whatever, let's try it. Let's try it now. Let's do it right now. Make it. And you know, if it works, it works. If not, we move on to the next thing. All right. That's like the beauty of that. <laughs> I'm going to give you one more suggestion because I've thought about this. If I ever owned a skate park, I would for sure do this without batting an eye, right? <laughs> Find some like Japanese distribution company that sells Japanese candy, right? Because Japan has really great candy. And then you find yeah, yeah. one from like that sells European candy and start get, get, get all these different candy brands from around the world. So that way, the best place in, in Australia to buy candy is your skate park you know how well you know how well candy already sells in skate parks you already know it's like um, imagine if the imagine if they had some like selective candy like oh have you ever had an american kit kat you could have an australian one but here's an american one you could even you could even bump up the price quite a bit because the exclusivity but yeah but i but i feel like when you're inside of skate parks and there's all these kids communicating like Kids are trying to hit little status quos amongst one each other. Like they're they're trying to they're trying to like have certain scooter parts that make them feel better or or this and that. But I feel like kids aren't really mentally at the point where they like they quantify each other by money. Maybe they do a little bit, but I feel like it's mostly the possessions that they they group mm, each other by. That's right. And, yeah, and for that, sure. That the money has bought them. So I feel like if you could bring things into the skate park that almost kind of translated into a currency. For example, stickers are a big thing, but I feel like yeah. candy would be really cool because it kind of is a currency amongst kids. And if a kid yeah. could have yeah. something like an exclusive currency, an exclusive yeah. candy, then then that would potentially draw kids that would have no interest in even going to the skate park. They would just see their and their so, friend at school have this like weird candy that everyone had to yeah. try, you know? And yeah, that's just, just another reason. Like, I feel like that yeah. is such a talked about thing amongst kids. And it's like, it's like, you don't even, you don't even have to do much for it. You don't have to like refrigerate it. You just have to leave it on the shelf. I think, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I were no, you. It's a good, it's, it's a good, you have, you have a very, like a really good mindset of it. And it's like, how do you get people to, like it's about an attraction and how do you get people in there who otherwise would be in there that's the idea of it like that's mm-hmm. and that's exactly like what we have now and what i find too which is really awesome is that we have that with birthday parties and stuff because most of the time you know you have um like the birthday like boy or girl they might ride they might go to the skate park and do that often but all their friends that come to that party have never stepped foot on a skate park before so you're now introducing 
you know, all these kids to not only skate parks, but scooters specifically, um, which is more popular than not. And so it's awesome, man. Like, it's just, it's so crazy. Like, it's such an awesome thing and it's such a, a good way to get people to, um, like, one, introduce them to skate parks and sport, but two, to be able to have fun and create communities and everything like that. So, but yeah, you definitely, you're on, you think exactly like I do. It's, it's just like different ways how to like, you know, little intricate things of how to get people and how people enjoy it and how to create like communities and friendship groups and everything like that. So it's perfect. Like, yeah, dude, I think, I think what you're doing, man, is so cool. Like I, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there was this brief moment when I knew you where you kind of were falling off, falling away a little bit. And then you had this like hard revitalization. Like you're like, I am back. I'm here to stay. And I feel like the the decisions that you've made from that moment, like I think the, the first biggest one was like being a part of root and like doing, doing root. And then now like doing, I feel like doing something for yourself. Like maybe like if, I feel like maybe in the past for you, Root was kind of like the number one thing, but I feel like for you now, it's like your skate park is obviously the number one thing. Root's just kind yeah. of like, like on the side, like not that you don't care about it, but it's just, it's, it's prioritized second tier. And I, yeah, and, and yeah. It, it's so cool for me to, to watch my friends create something from by themselves that becomes that first tier item in their mind. Like that's how I am yeah. towards Undialed or that's how yeah. I am. Uh, that and that's how Clayton is. That's how so many of my like my I feel like my closest friends have created something that that becomes the first tier of their agenda in their mind. And I and I and I feel like what you're doing is is a very honorable path that will persuade more scooter kids to to follow. And and that's what we ultimately need. We need leaders like you in the sport. You're kind of frozen up. Can you still hear me? Uh, did we lose him? No. Maddie. Maddie. He's left on kind of a funny freeze frame. He looks really serious. <laughs> no. All right, let's see if he rejoins. Dang, he wasn't lying. This background does look good. <laughs> yeah, it does. You did good. All right, Madison, where you at? Maybe his laptop died. Oh, damn it. Sheesh. Let's see if he just DM'd me. <laughs> Did your computer die? Ha ha. I don't know why I put ha ha at the end of it. I wasn't even laughing. I was. It was just like a fake laugh. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> Austin, I think it talked that. He's his lights green. Yaga. Uh oh. Is that on Facebook? Is that uh, Instagram? Oh. Whoa. Did your pooter? I'm asking if his pooter died. Pooter as in computer, not pooter as in scooter. Yeah, I will say though, I'm pretty stoked that he's actually doing a restaurant. I didn't realize he... Yeah, I had no idea. That's badass. 
Every time I hear restaurant, I think of like the Adrenaline Alley restaurant. It's not really a restaurant. It's it's a restaurant. I just don't feel like they have anything that's like exclusive to there. Like it's yeah. not like it's not like there's an Adrenaline Alley dish. I hope <laughs> I hope True. there's the Saravalo Ratatouille. Ooh, that'd be pretty good. Or like the the Valo sandwich. The no. Needs to make Matty cheese. Matty cheese. Our kids would love Matty cheese. What did I guess? Cheese. I guess kids really love cheese. No, it's classic, classic kid food: mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, like string cheese, maybe. No, classic kid food is is mac and cheese, usually craft mac and cheese, and Dino nuggets. This is true. Like when a kid is a picky eater, which most kids are these days, what's their? It has to be orange. That has to be one thing. Their food has to be orange, um, and it has to be mac and cheese or Dino Nuggets. I feel like he should spend his time and and, and create the best mac and cheese and the best Dino Nuggets. True. I mean, and maybe you could have your own dish in there. Oh, he's coming back in. Admit. Dude, ask him for your own signature uh your own signature dish. I'm gonna ask him right now. Hey, there you are. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It just lagged out. My computer is like completely hey. froze. Hey, it's all good. It's so we were just talking. Um and okay. Would you you can disagree with me you want if you want, but this is at least for American kids. This is how it is. Two yeah. favorite foods that if you if you ever meet a, a kid who's like a picky eater, it they're they love these two foods: mac and cheese, chicken nuggets. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's like yeah, the, that's yeah, like 100%. the kid. Yeah, that's the yeah. kid dude, food. That's even here, man. Yeah, that's even here. That's crazy. Yeah, and and yeah. dude, you need to have the best mac and cheese. Yeah, Maddie cheese. Maddie cheese. <laughs> Saravalo nuggets. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, like just a meticulous sort and just do something to them. You just need it. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Dino nuggets? Yeah, dude. Like the little dinosaur ones. Like what, how what if? Shaped. What if your cook could like get a like a a dinosaur cookie cutter and just cut out like a thigh and make some really good Dino nuggets? Oh, bro. Yes, that would be mad. That's a good idea. That's that, a good idea. And then and then some like real crap like some some not craft mac and cheese some like some nice like like you're I'm talking mac and cheese with with some cheese they put over put it in the oven so the cheese like melts on the top it becomes like this whole little ornament thing. Yeah, dude, 100%. Yeah. And it's crazy cuz like I um I bought this thing it's called a combi oven um and it's like super expensive, but it basically is like is just next level the way this thing cooks. You can cook anything you want in it. Um, so it's so perfect for things like that, like especially mac and cheese and like any sort of chicken, any sort of, you can literally cook toast in it. It's stupid, but um, it's insane. So we're definitely, dude, yeah, it's a good idea. Mac and cheese. <laughs> Matty cheese. Mm. Matty cheese. And, and, Bowl then, and nuggets. And then you need to, you need to really, like, 
you really need to focus on the bullshit too. And I know this sounds silly, but you need to have like a bowl, like an oil slick bowl. I swear. Have an yeah. oil slick yeah, bowl. Yeah. That's like only the mac and cheese comes in the oil slick bowl. <laughs> and then, yeah, just so they, that's a good idea. And then, there needs, really and then there needs to be like some, you know, on like certain nice cocktails, they have like those little umbrellas or something like that. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, like you need yeah. to have your own little variation of like an umbrella that gets stuck into it that then the kid can then take home and like have his like little like knickknack. But it could be like a two cents thing. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's, it's just like... um. You know, people specifically order things because of like what comes with it. So, for example, I went out to dinner, this is ages ago now, um, and they had this thing, it's called a kitchen sink, right? So, it's literally comes out, it's like this a lot of food. It's like chicken and potatoes and all this stuff, right? But it actually comes out in a kitchen sink, like a proper yeah. kitchen sink. And you eat it out of the kitchen sink. Like, the only reason we ordered it is because it was in a kitchen sink. Like, we didn't really care about what was in it that it's much. Like, just, it's just it's like pineapple it's fried rice. Sink. Same thing. It's like, yeah, does yeah. the fried rice taste like pineapple? Maybe a little bit. But you're getting it in a pineapple. Yeah. Like, so yeah, of course yeah, you're going to yeah, spend $10 yeah, more on it. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> so, just an iconic thing. Just to say you did it at least, you know? Far out. You, yeah, you need, uh, 100%. you need to have some sort of, like, whoa. What if you had something like the scooter deck and it, and it, and like you had like a scooter deck as like a plate or something like a that? A plate or something. Yeah, dude. How would you, yeah, that'd be possible. Imagine that. Scooter deck cut out like a little thing in it, cup holder thing on there. Fajitas. <laughs> you guys got, you guys got chilies over there? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the certain dishes that come on like the, it's like a pan that's still sizzling. Yeah, you yeah. Need to like throw a, a a scooter deck into the oven and like and then bring <laughs> that out sizzling. Yeah, sizzling on the. <laughs> oh, that would be the best. We, yeah, we have that here for sure. They're the best. But here's the best. Dude, yeah, that's mad. Dude. Is that like that's the thing? Is there's just so many ideas, man. There's so and the best part is like you can just do whatever and like if it works, it works. If not, then like you just move on to the next idea. Like that's the that's the beauty of it. So um, I definitely think that, you know, being able to have it that way is, is incredible rather than having to go to all these people to get approval for this and this and this, like that becomes old pretty quick. So and another thing you should definitely do is you should always do lock-ins on mother's day and father's day. Absolutely. Yeah. So that way, so that way you are the place to have their kids be dropped off at because you know yeah, that yeah. they don't want their kids there for that. Have a yeah, lock in. Yeah. Have a lock in so the Just parents can have a break. Days. Yeah, yeah, literally. It's not a bad idea. Dude, yeah. There's a skate yeah. park in America called Ollie's Skate Park that was in Kentucky. I don't know if you've ever heard of Kentucky yeah. before. It's where KFC yeah, came yeah. from. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this place was insane. I want you to think about this for a second. They were open. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday they opened up at their normal time. I think it was noon, and they didn't close until Sunday at nine p.m. They had yeah, so I just two open. two lock-ins, but you could go and buy sessions in the middle of the night. So if yeah, you showed up from one a.m. to four a.m., you'd pay for a three-hour session. Yeah, and, dude, and it, that's crazy. And it got to the point that okay, it's no longer around, but there was there was these like raver groups that would have these pop-up raves inside of the skate park. And the skate no park way. was so big that 
they just would let it happen. <laughs> That's insane. Well, no way. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but I can only imagine that'd be a logistical nightmare. Actually, like, doing that. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be pretty hard to... Yeah, yeah. like, over here, we're, we're, we're strict on a lot of things over here. That's the problem. Yeah. Like, noise levels, music, and times you can be open and closed and whatever else. Like, it's pretty, pretty full-on. Like, that's where... Um, the, when, when I speak about some of the back end stuff, that's like what you deal with. I, I don't even know if I'd have it in here, but um, like the, the amount of documents and stuff that you have to go through. I have a book that's probably about this thick of just um, like permit and legal related things. And it's just like, I've read through, I had to read through all of it. And like, it's a nightmare to deal with just some of the stuff on there. Like just getting certain permits to do certain things. Everything, everything has to be a certain way. Like there's the type of things where you couldn't come into it just blind eyed. Like you'd be in trouble if you did that. So you've got to be pretty, you know, nifty with how you do stuff and pay a lot of close attention. But <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, Maddie, I... I'm going to wrap it up right here, but I think, I think we've had a really awesome conversation about uh, at least your skate park and what you've been up to. And I, I think it was really cool to hear about just your perspective on things. I had no idea about the restaurant, neither did Clayton. So it was really, it was really cool hearing about that and just your future aspirations. And honestly, I'm sorry you have to deal with COVID at the level you do, but I promise that all of your endeavors right now will pay off. You just got to keep, yeah. keep doing your thing. But Thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's all right. Anytime. Always a pleasure. Maddie, um, also, where can we find you on the socials, bro? On the socials? All right. So on the socials, just at Maddie Traveler on pretty much everything. Um, and yeah, then obviously follow Volo Park. It's just V-O-L-O Park. Um, that's all over social media. And through there, you guys will be able to find like the V2 store as well as the Volo Cafe and everything. So yeah, we're just doing a lot of, we've got a lot of um, things going on in the back end. Um, another thing to look forward to too is that uh, we actually filmed and documented the entire process of building this place. Um, so I'm right now working on the like official, like we're called the reveal video, even though it's already been revealed. Um, and that's just kind of like a whole edit recap of it all and like a bit of background of it. And then we have another 12 videos that are already finished and ready to upload following that. Um, which kind of recaps the build of it. So that's like a day by day. Um, you know, you said before about kind of like what goes on throughout a day to day um, basis. A lot of that is in there. So you'll be able to see kind of this place turn from what it was to what it is now. Well, awesome. So I, I, I can't wait to see that, man. That's going to be so sick. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, Hey, thank you so much for coming on my man. Uh, we appreciate you. The whole scooter community appreciates you. And Till next time, my man. <laughs> Easy, man. Thanks so much. I'll speak to you guys soon, all right? All right, man. Peace.